0: Hello, sir. Hey, Roman. How are you? Nice to meet you. You too. How are you today? Good. Good. How did this come about? Uh, actually, it's one of your guys had hit me on LinkedIn. Okay. And he's like, "Well, do you want to talk?" And I said, "Well, it'd be interesting." And but I don't know what subject we could talk about. Although I've got thirty years in, I've got a million different certifications, and it's like, pick a subject, I'll talk. And then we started just kind of trading a couple of ideas. I said, let's just decide what works.
1: All right. <laughs> well, good. What what are you doing? What's just give me so, a little yeah. Sure. Uh, title and give you stuff
0: you the, first. I am I am a CIO. Uh, I'm mm. the CIO at Human, which if you watch TV, you see uh the Super Beats product. Yep. So we so we are the manufacturer of Super Beats. And we have the super grapes and we now have the Tark Jerry. And so we're mm. sold D2C, we're sold Amazon, we're sold Walmart, we're sold GNC, we're number one superfood at GNC. So okay. we're kind of everywhere. And- okay.
1: Okay. So um we're not recording yet, or at least okay, good. officially. I wanted to get into that. Is what what are you comfortable with talking about with you what you do in your job? Are you cool with that talking about? I, I'm actually very comfortable. Okay.
0: I, I'm very comfortable with obviously not sharing secrets. Yeah, but at yeah. the same time, I'm very comfortable with sharing the fact that, and, and it's kind of an interesting story. Is, is I came into the business, and I've been, i I've, I've been in a lot of businesses where I've walked in, and the technology part of the business was either not where it needed to be or we've gone through. And that, I'd be careful how I share it, but yeah, uh, I I used to be part of Cellucor, which is C4 energy drinks and all of that. And essentially, I walked in the door, there were two servers. And they're like, here's technology. Who is it? Well, it's one guy, and he can barely fix the copier. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, it's create our technology world. And so I am very experienced at walking into a business and bringing it forward quickly. Cool. I've been here since February. And so in, again, we're off the record. So, Uh, I've been here since February and essentially I walked in in the first week. I said, okay, one, we have to restructure the organization because you guys have people all over the place and nobody talks to each other. Number two, I need to hire eight people and I need that immediately. And number three, I need to break this into three teams. I need a data team, an ERP team. I need an e commerce team. I need this working with this and all this. We essentially built that in the past four months. And for me, I think it's all about change management, leadership, and simplification, and that if, if well, so. See, I don't want any
1: of that to be off the record. No, <laughs> I, I, let's I'm get saying, started. How about we, we can, just get started? Is that cool with you? Not? Absolutely. All right. So, uh, and by the way, I don't know if you know anything about me at all. We kinda are coming don't. together about. Um, all right, well, you know what? It's going to be a surprise. It's going to be fun. <laughs> okay. All right, so ding, ding, ding. Here we go. Hey, everyone. This is Scott Smeester. This is like my third podcast, and I'm with Roman Bolkovich. Am I pronouncing that right?
0: Because Bolkovich is fine. Bolkovich? Yeah, either okay.
1: So um, to let the audience in know what's happening. So Roman and I haven't met yet today. But we have a ton to talk about because he just told me that he's a CIO of a company. And uh, the people who are listening might know that I am the founding member and CEO of CIO Mastermind is the name of (laughs) the company. And we serve CIOs, CTOs, whatever the title is, if they're in the C-suite. We work with geeks with executive tendencies to help them become more effective in what they do, deliver better with less friction. So that's my commercial, but we're here for Dissecting IT Nerds. So I'm sure Roman is, is, because I think you told me about, you started to go into some of the details, but all right, so we're going to start. Roman, tell us about you and your company. And what you do. I gave it away, though, a little bit. You're a CIO, but anyway.
0: So, yes, I'm a CIO. Uh, I jokingly sometimes say C-level executives are people who go from meeting to meeting and sometimes wonder why they're there. And (laughs) it's I I came from tech. I've been in tech my entire life. And I am the nerd who made it into the C-suite. So I'm just as I'm just as comfortable being the guy on the keyboard programming something or running a worldwide network or chasing packets around the network as I am the guy who's sitting in the C-suite. So for me, uh, I run a team. I have a data team. I have an ERP team. I have an e-commerce team. I've put together a players, and the idea is to me everything we do. lives around two things, execution and quality, and that's it. Okay. Did I execute and did I deliver quality? Because if I didn't do one of those two things, essentially I have failed. Right. So that is, at at my core, I believe the C level is a world where you have to simplify things as you explain them and try to communicate to the other C-level, something that's highly technical and overly confusing sometimes. But at the same time, how do I put that in the language you understand? And how do you do that? I use a lot of, and and people laugh, and I've heard them called Romanisms, and I've heard them called a lot of things, but I I try to relate it back to everyone understands certain things, right? Um, Just recently, I was having a conversation with one of the VPs, and I was trying to explain to her you know, hey, we're doing this process right now. As long as we're doing this process, let's touch a few other things up while we're there. And she's looking at me like, What are you speaking of? And so I, I came at her with, Hey, I got the car in the shop right now. We're changing the oil. I want to add a couple of spark plugs while I'm there. And okay. that's that simplification, right? Uh, I try not to talk in technical terms when I'm talking to bi- and, and I use the term levelingly, right. but the business. I, I try not to use technical terms and I try to bring it into a level they'll understand. Okay, why? Because I, I think whether it be change management, whether it be just it, daily interactions, right? Yeah. If you don't understand what I'm saying, number one, you're not listening to me. And number two, I, I walk away and I effectively have done nothing by telling you what I told you. So, how do I translate it into a language that you understand? yeah and and so i I jokingly say this all the time, but it's very true. I was God gave me two gifts. one was humor and one was sarcasm, and I try to use both of them daily. <laughs> and, and so the using the joke or the sarcasm to get you there puts people at ease when a person's put at ease, then they tend to communicate better. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh,
1: What has been, so you've been doing this as CIO, right? For since February.
0: I started here in February. Yes. And prior to this, I've always been either in the VP suite or the C suite uh, for many years.
1: What, what's uh one person that you're thinking of off the top of your head that's really important to you as a cio
0: from your team as far as delivery or
1: delivery uh you know who who's helping you kind of be the ceo who 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 are you looking for i should say you know who who's what kind of gap are you looking to fill let's just go so, that
0: direction so I I think this holds true in almost all of the C-suite, right? You're always going to have that one person that's your go-to person. And depending on what you're doing, uh, we tend to handle a million requests coming at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, any person who's in a CIO position can easily attest to, I bring up my JIRA board and I've got 400 tickets sitting there. And so to me, we brought in project management recently. And I specifically brought in project management and added it to the technology team, but not as a go run my scrum board, as a chase the rest of the company and help me coordinate with their schedules, their understanding. And so it's a slightly different version of project management. It's more of a communications platform, I guess. It's a little spin on it. Okay. And then the other person you reach for all the time is business systems analyst, because there's always a question. It always has to be answered, and you need a players.
1: Okay. what uh, are you excited about in form of, from technology? What are you excited about being able to deliver soon or someday?
0: Okay, so I actually, This is something I've done personally, and I'm not sure how many other people do it, but this is the pro tip, right? Everyone talks about KPIs, which is great. But to me, I call it KPIs of KPIs. And what that is, is I'm your math teacher. Show me your work. If you want to calculate what your stick rate is, if you want to calculate your AOV, if you want to calculate... if inventory. It doesn't matter what you're going to calculate, right? It's built off of calculations. The problem is, is if you think about your data streams and having I probably have 30 separate channels coming in, right? How do I on how do I look for the needle in the haystack that's the problem or the error that I'm not seeing in log files don't always pick it up. So what you wind up doing is I build a million different queries that then become the equivalent of a knock dashboard that I can literally look at and say, if it breaks the tolerance here, it becomes a red number. And immediately I can look, there's a hundred numbers on the screen, three are green or three are red and the rest are green. I go, there's your problem. It's right there. Let's go look at it. And before even the business knows something happened, I've delivered on fixing it. And so to me, that's as proactive as I can possibly be. Okay. So what am I excited about in that? I'm, I'm, yeah. excited by, I'm excited by the fact that I don't want to be the guy, let's face it, nobody ever calls tech support and says, my computer works great. They call you because there's a problem. So I'm always trying to be ahead of the problem. And then I'm building quite the modern data stack right now. Um, everything from segment to snowflake to really getting into how is a modern data stack laid out? How do I dimensionally model things Mm -hmm. so that almost any question that can be asked of of me by the business, I can deliver on. And then if you take the KPIs of KPIs and add that on top, I can not only do that, but I can tell you at this point in time, I'm at 99.6% data integrity so that I can report both, believe me, and here's your answer.
2: Gotcha. Okay. Do you have the same
1: type of thing? I'm just curious if you have the same type of thing for your CEO.
0: I do. I have executive dashboards and actually my KPIs of KPIs is something that I have shared with him and asked him to just look at it and say, as you can tell, we're monitoring things.
1: Right. Okay. So how did you, you know, I'm kind of curious your background. Um, mm-hmm. Did you come from software? Did you come from network? Did you come from some other, well, sales? <laughs> where, where, Where's your background?
0: My background is yes. Okay. Uh, okay. So I, I left, and, and this is the 32nd view of my life, right? But I left high school, went directly to the Marine Corps. And in the Marine Corps, I was aircraft firefighting and rescue. So I had nothing to do with computers. Okay. Went from there into my family told me I had to be a machinist because that's what my family was. And I did that, and computers were my hobby. And it's and this is late 80s. Okay. So as a hobby, it wasn't much of a hobby back then. Anyways, I I started to really get interested in them. So I actually, at one point, I opened my own business. At one point, I was writing interactive voice response. My own business was retail sales of computers to home users. I was an internet provider in the early 90s. And then I, I am an obsessive learner. I want to know everything. So I went out and did everything from CCNA to MCSEs to went down to Red Hat, got uh, training down there, interactive voice response, AT&T, old telephone systems, Nortel, and then went into programming at .NET and ASP and built, I built an entire ERP system and we started with a blank piece of paper. And then I got interested in, so then I went to GDPR training and now I'm a CISSP and I did Cisco training and it's, to me, it's not, I don't think you can be a programmer unless you understand the network. So if you don't know the OSI model, I, I teach my programmers the OSI model.
1: OSI means? Uh,
0: you're going to ask me that, right? OSI. I've models, never heard of
1: OSI, man.
0: Seriously? Yeah,
1: no. And while I'm not a CIO anymore, and, I, and at best, no, I was at CTO more like
0: it. So um,
1: I have not heard of OSI.
0: Okay, so this is something that I, yeah, it's been around forever. Open systems interconnection model. Okay, it's a conceptual framework. When you talk about layer one, that is, I call tech support and say, and they say, is it plugged in? That's literally layer one. Okay, Okay. And then you ever hear of layer two routing, layer three routing? What they're talking about is the seven layers of the model. And the the funny part is, is if you're a programmer, you're making the assumption that everything around you is working and you're forgetting that sometimes it doesn't. So there has to be a little bit of a network guy located in the programmer and there has to be a little bit of a programmer located in the network guy. Otherwise, are you really being effective in developing what you're doing?
1: Hmm. So you know what? Comes to into my head here is you're by far the most technical CIO I've talked to ever.
0: You <laughs> I mean, sounds like you've talked to three. <laughs> uh, well, well the, the point yesterday. is
1: is that no, they come from they come from programming, they come, but they didn't dive that deep. Um, and and I'm a geek with executive tendencies. That's okay. my that's that's what I call myself. And I have a degree in civil engineering. I've been mm-hmm. programming since I was a kid. I started with the Commodore 64. Okay. Um, but what, here's what I know about, but here's what's happened. I've come along. I've come along and gone into, um, well, likewise, lots of small businesses around the internet, in technology, selling mm-hmm. to B2B space. I had to learn um, how to grow a business, how to grow a B2B tech business, selling into mid-market companies, working with a lot of CEOs. Um, I always sell sell to CEOs and CFOs. Anyway, uh, where was I going with that? I don't know. Other than the fact that, no, yes, I do. Um, The CIO that I know now, the people that I talk to now would say, well, gosh, you sound a little bit more (laughs) into, you too into the, 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 the. The weeds when it comes to, you know, you're being, you should be more of a CIO. You know what I'm saying?
0: Okay. So now, but I'll answer that with, I agree with you. Yes, I can go down in the weeds. Do I do it every day? No, but I have a foundation. Yes. And, and I think what it is, is just, i I've attended many board meetings. I do board presentations. I do all the C-suite things that I am supposed to do. But I I feel like what makes me successful is I have a passion for what I do. I go home and I want to read about the latest thing that's going on. And while I apply that in my business and I... I, I try to also be that resource that if somebody needs help, they can come to me. And, and I do think that brings with it some credibility when I'm talking to a CEO or I'm talking to another CIO. It brings with it credibility that I can, I can go both directions. You want to go into a PowerPoint presentation and let's discuss the nuances of the budget and where we're going to classify things in the GL. I'm perfectly fine with doing that. Yeah, okay. But at the same time, if you ask me a question, I don't have to pick up the phone and call a Gartner or someone else to get advice on it. I can actually analyze that myself. Okay. So it's, it's, it's a unique world and part of it is I, I told you I'm a geek that went to the C-suite. I literally am a geek who I yeah. love, and I don't get enough keyboard time. Sometimes I really want my keyboard time, and I don't really get that. <laughs> right, right. So I, fi- I do find myself like looking at what other people did. And I think the hardest thing in my life was trusting the people I hired because I keep in the back of my head saying, "Well, but I could go do it this way," and I right. have to say, "No, I can't do that." My job is to lead. My job is to encourage. And honestly, my team, the team I have here, especially, I had one of the greatest compliments I've ever had in my life. And it happened over the past couple of months. I walked in here. We said we needed to hire a number of people. I picked up the phone and called people who I've worked with at my previous couple of companies, said, I need you. And I was looking to hire eight people. Five of those people were people I used to work with. I picked up the phone and called them. They quit their jobs immediately and came to work. And I'm telling you, we did this within two weeks. And they literally said, I, "I've been at my job for 30 days." I said, "I need you." It's okay, and they dropped what they were doing and came. Why do you suppose
1: they did that? I how
0: did you get
2: to How did you get to that point,
0: Roman? I think as a leader. Yeah. Uh, as a leader, I think there's some important principles that are taught, and I lean back to the Marine Corps. There's Marine Corps leadership principles, but think of it as servant leadership, Generally, it's last, right? As a leader, my job is to support you and to... So, So many people are all about their own position, and they forget that if I hire really smart people and I teach them to be leaders, I become successful. And it's not threatening my job. What it's doing is helping me to perform at a new level. Okay. And so I try to empower and grow the people around me, teach them. And part of my technical background, right, I said I teach all my programmers the OSI model because they never learned it in school. I think it's important. It's something I teach along the way doesn't mean that they're, it gives them a different perspective on what they're doing.
1: Okay. So, what I'm hearing you say in all of this, or what you might want to be saying to the people listening who are non-CIOs, CTOs, is, hey, you can be a leader and still
0: have technology as your passion. Yeah. And also, I also believe that if, I also believe that Leadership doesn't go from me to the person below me. Uh, I, first of all, never refer to them as working for me. I always refer to them as my team. But, right. Well, I'm talking goes, about other
1: people and other guys. No, but listening. I'm
0: saying, yeah. I'm, I'm saying the same guy who's sitting here, who's an IT manager right now and wants to be a director, leadership goes both directions. You have to lead up also. And that is something people forget. So the 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 communication, that's how you get there. If you want to get to that higher level, number one, be the top performer, be the right-hand man that they go to. And number two, show them you're capable of that leadership first, and then they will entrust you with more, which will bring you to that next level.
2: Okay. So expand a little bit
1: on that. Tell me then, yeah.
0: So I I have met very few leaders in my life and and I guess there are there's two classifications right there's a boss and there's a leader I think those are two different things but I've met very few leaders in my life or no leaders in my life that are not open to hey here's a problem here's my suggestion for the solution now, does that mean that you're going to do what I've asked you to do? No, it just means that I'm showing you I'm capable of walking in the door. Don't ever bring me a problem without bringing me a solution, mm-hmm. right? You may not, you may not be right. I, I'm not, I'm not right, right? I walk in the door and I tell my CEO I want to do this, and he may turn around and say no. I have to accept that he has a different view of the business than I do. So at that point, maybe you know i might push back a little bit but at the same time i have to do my job the general says do it i do it but lead your leaders teach your leaders and and work with them so they understand i don't have the same view as the programmer he's worried about doing a for each loop he's worried about how do i make this appear on the screen and i don't see that. So I may be asking him to do something he physically can't do. So don't walk up and just say, I can't do it. Instead right. walk up and say, hey, I can't do it. This is why. Here's a suggestion of how we can do something that would come with the same outcome. Okay. And I think that helps, I, I think that'll help people a lot to to sort of get there. I worked my way up. I, you know, I, I guess if you asked me how did I get there? I think I'd tell you the same answer. I'd tell you if you asked me, how do you ride a motorcycle? It's like you you develop these small habits. I never walk in without a solution. You develop all these little things. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you absolutely forget that you're balancing a bike and you're moving the handlebars and you're doing all these things. It just becomes part of how you do things, right? Gotcha, gotcha. So, Ten, let's switch it up a little
1: bit and talk, mm-hmm. uh, let's go down the um, technology side of things. What, if you could be getting your hands dirty in something new, mm-hmm. programming, whatever geek, like, it's got to be geek, what would it be? What would you be doing this afternoon
0: if you had? I am so... Uh, I am so intrigued by two things right now, and both of which I am completely learning. I, I understand the concepts, but don't necessarily... I, can't, I can log into one of them and I don't know how to use it yet. Okay. We're using a product, and I'm, in, I'm not endorsing products, right? But we're using a product called Segment, which is a, a customer data essentially think of it as a huge log file with, that logs every possible thing that happens with that customer. Okay. We all know iOS update hit and sort of crashed half the world. And if it didn't crash half the world, it's the way we blame everything that crashed in half the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this gets around it because now I'm getting away from that that cookie and all the other things, and I'm getting into that first-party data and following that person through. And now I'm starting to look at, well, okay, if I have this log file about the person, how do I bring that back through a machine learning AI platform and then bring it together with other data sources and identify that person so that I can then bring that person off to whatever, the website or a quiz or whatever we're going to be doing at the time and know who the person is and personalize their experience. I think internet sales, e-commerce in general, is essentially you have a shopping mall out there, right? There's 500 million stores. They all sell the same thing you do and now you have to be unique. The, The key to the internet commerce side of it is, speaking to the customer in the voice that they're looking to be spoken to at the time they show up. And that's, I think, the the magic nut that has to happen. And so as I learn more about you, I kind of can, I can profile you into, let's say, a profile of what I believe that person's going to be. Statistically, that tells me what are the things you're going to like. If I know that, I can even go as subtle as, uh, I used to work for a company that had a product that was for men and women essentially couldn't use it. And so when I detected you were a woman on my website, I would then refer to it as your partner. And I would change copy and text and pictures. Right, right. So, I mean, that's simple stuff. Everybody's doing it, right? But do you really think about what you have behind it that's doing it? That, that just intrigues me. That's, if I could play with something right now, I would take that to the maximum limit. So, is,
1: <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about, in the, the, this holy grail thing of, yeah. it sounds manipulative, though. Uh, and there's a lot of pushback on that,
0: you know? But I get it. it. Is it really manipulative though? Because I, number one, I consider it manipulative if, you take my, if I take my, your data and I sell it to somebody. If I'm only trying to present you a good experience on a website, your option is you don't have to go to the website. If I'm not using your data for any other company, which I don't do, I don't sell data, I don't trade data, I don't right. do that stuff. If I'm only trying to provide you a better experience... Yeah, no, I, that makes sense. That, that, to me, is okay, and I'm, I'm doing it in trying to service you. Now, mm-hmm. if I was doing that to get your information and say, Scott, I, I, okay, I know you do a podcast. I'm going to go sell you to every podcast service out there. That's a whole different world. You're right. I agree, and, and I, my private data is my private data. I don't right, want right. to just share it with the world. Uh, but then I also think there's some responsibility even on your part or yeah. my part that I always kind of joke with people and say don't put it on the internet unless you want unless you'd want your grandmother to see it
1: <sighs> yeah so yeah I mean there doesn't sound like there's any um you know conflicts being you know crossed or anything like that it doesn't it Maybe it's not manipulative. Maybe that's not the word I'm thinking of. But some people might say it's a little bit creepy, you know, because you mm. go to websites or you mention uh, bird feeder, you know, you mention it, you talk about it with your wife and then all of a
0: sudden on social media, you're seeing ads for bird feeders. Yeah, now that stuff's creepy because what you're doing is I'm talking about I'm talking a different scenario of a company trying to service a customer. When you start getting into your crossing across platforms, and that's that data sale. sale. And that I I to be honest, unless you place an order with me mm-hmm. and I have your information from the order, which legitimately and legal I have a right yep. to have that information, but I don't use it. You're an anonymous ID string to me, and that's all you are. I just know that your string came back. I don't really care as much who you are. I'm trying to produce you a better experience. Now, when you take it to the next level and you're trying to really figure out my entire life, I think that's a different story. I think there's an ethical way to collect data and use it. And I think there's people who get into that gray area. Right, and, and that's where I think it gets kind of weird.
2: Okay. What
1: concerns you uh, with technology?
0: <laughs> to be honest, it's actually, I think my biggest concerns in technology live in the fact that there is non-ethical people out there that are doing some of the things that you just mentioned I think my other concern in technology is sometimes I think we're always looking for something new and sometimes there's a difference between I want my company to be at the leading edge and yeah. I want my company I don't want my company to be at the bleeding edge so I tend to be that person that does some research looks at things understands them and I try not to jump too far into the, hey, this is the new thing that just came out. Think about years ago, we had cell phones. And they would last for you know, quite a long time, right? We even had interchangeable batteries on them. Now it's once every six to eight months or a year, they're like eligible for a new phone, want to buy it. But my other phone's still working. But, but you need this. Why do I need that? I guess that's kind of the, the side of technology that while you're developing new things, are we really developing anything that new? You know, that's a good question. My, I, I have a saying I tell people a lot of times that I keep saying there are zeros and there are ones until somebody invents a 0.5. I'm pretty sure we haven't had anything new in computers.
1: Yeah, indeed. Indeed. So, okay. So what's that new then? I want to know what's that new for like, all right, let's go 10 years ahead. Mm
2: -hmm. Are we still tight? Are we
1: still got people in offices typing? Typing away, moving data over here to invoice somebody over here. They're, They're taking this email that was approved by CEO over here. Typing and crap in. I mean, do you, ever,
0: do you ever really think that business process would go away? I'm unsure that it would. Even if we let's pretend we just built the perfect AI system, right? And we are now sitting in offices with talking. robots.
1: We're just well, yeah. do you ever read Bill Gates' book Business at the Speed of Thought? Mm, I may have. Uh, it was back in the 90s and literally well, I couldn't read the whole thing. I don't know why, but i I got the point. You know, business at the speed of thought. Literally, what you know, he was for for he was foreshadowing. This is way back, man. He's like, yeah, someday the ultimate way of doing this is just you're gonna be able to just think of something and have it done. Like for me, what I'd like to do is just be able to say send so send. No, it'd even be better. I'd be like, set, tell the I'd like my CIOs to understand that they would, they should do this or that, our members, our clients. And, um, that's it. And that I don't have to go compose an email. I don't have to create a video. I don't have to do all that. And I don't have to worry about distribution. You know, it'll be seen.
0: It's if you said i was creepy <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's where
0: it is going right but the right? thing is is so at some point right this this magic machine we're going to create that's going to do the thing scott just said doesn't that scare you to death that that could so for for everything that becomes that powerful there's an evil side to it. Oh, right? sure. Yeah. And, and so I, I'm unsure if humans will allow that to happen at that point. We are inherently lazy, so we don't want to type the email. We want to use the voice chat. Think about it. Years ago, we used to sit and type to each other. Now we have a tendency to hit the little microphone and talk into our, our phone. But I'm unsure that we'd ever get mm. to the point where everything would sort of happen on its own. And if thought control is available, while I think that's a cool thing, I'd be worried thought about. Thought control, the... we're not talking thought control. We're talking about well, information.
1: We're talking well, it is about.
0: Thought. It is thought control, though. You're thinking it and the computer's doing it, right?
1: Oh, well, yeah, if you go that far. I was talking really about verbal commands. I'd like oh, okay. to even see that be done, but no, but, but, but thoughts are right there after it. In fact, um, I'd rather have incoming messages <laughs> done that way through my thoughts, like, you know, have like a, a, a queue of things. Okay, you can handle, you could process so much more information if it was coming into your mind in that fashion in a queue, as opposed to go from email to TV to monitor to freaking this device that device every other stinking device you know um, through neural neural what, programming.
0: At what time do you have? And at what point in that time do you have scout time where neural programming shuts hmm. down? Well,
1: when do you have it anyway? You really don't. You, I mean, I I go cut my grass. Well, yeah, and, that's what I'm saying. It still would be yeah. like that. Well, I heck. While you're cutting your grass, instead of cutting your grass, maybe you take care of that one message you got to send out. But now that you're doing neural, it's so fast (laughs) and you're back to your own, you're back to cutting your grass. You don't have to think about it. You're thinking about buy that, buy that Porsche for me.
0: (laughs) Hey, hey, Alexa, send me a Porsche.
1: Yes. (laughs) I don't have to do anything anymore. Okay. I, I don't you know I look come. at it, I think I think it's funny because <clears throat> it'd be so funny. Like if we were to really go back in time and you video in this, imagine you got we we brought our phone back and we go back in time into the 80s. We're like in the future, your job literally, you're gonna get paid a ton of money
2: to push buttons. That's
1: all you do. You push buttons. That's people will be like, "Sign me up, man! I want that." Now everything is pushing buttons, and we're complaining about it.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I, I guess I see that it, at least in my own head and and in my own belief, I see there, I see there's a line somewhere, right? And that line lives, in and it's different for every person, right? But that, there's a certain line. I, I'm a technology guy. I'm an absolute geek. I, I am a nerd, right? Yeah. I do not have an Alexa at my house. And I don't right. have a voice control at my house. And part of it is because I know so much about it that it actually scares me to put it in. But at the same time, it excites me, the technology behind it. And so it's, it's this weird, and, and I guess I'm kind of weird in that, but I, I have this hmm. weird kind of, I, I have certain time, I have certain places in my life that I don't want technology. I ride a Harley Davidson that has an air-cooled engine. I know it has chips in it, but it isn't nearly as sophisticated as a lot of the things that exist. Right. And to me, those are my, I, I'm shutting off the technology world time and I'm doing this cutting my grass right and so I, I, I think it's I think where do we go in 10 years if you ask that question 10 years ago and you looked at today how much has really changed hmm. that's a good, great question that's for sure you had a Toyota Prius at the time right which was a hybrid you have a Tesla now we've improved it but have we really changed anything So I don't know that we've changed that much. We had a BlackBerry. I remember my first color BlackBerry. Mm -hmm. I thought it was the greatest thing ever, right? But that was more than 10 years ago. Now I have a smartphone. It's faster. It does a little more, but have we changed? So in 10 years from now, how much will we have changed? Uh, Is it called Moore's Law? where you talk yeah. about how computers exponentially grow. I wonder how far they'll exponentially grow, unless you get into things like quantum computing. Yeah. Well, essentially, what's quantum computing? It's nothing more than zeros or ones who are going significantly faster now. Hmm. So it allows you to do more. Yeah. But did we really change? I don't know. I think that there's two things that
1: are being overlooked that's gonna have that still has big, big days ahead. VR, somewhere along the line. I don't know. And the other one is um blockchain. Now I know crypto is huge, obviously, but I mean
0: using blockchain really the way it was meant to. To be used yeah blockchain like i'm way. I'm on board with you because I think that right there is unlocking a a different version it's still essentially data right but it's it's a different version of it it's allowing us to put more information together in a different format, yeah. and that right there unlocks additional things in the same way that we talk about you know. 10 years ago, we had a Toyota Prius and it was an engine that essentially generated for a thing or for an electric motor and a battery. And now you've got like a Tesla, which is sort of the battery technology has moved so far that we were able to do it. Mm-hmm. Blockchain isn't terribly different. It's a different storage. It's a different way of doing it. It's a dispersed pattern versus the uh, the storage model, I guess. Mm. Maybe I'm not explaining it right. Yeah, you know, it'd be interesting. Is upload your DNA to the
1: to the blockchain, and then someday they'll be able to recreate you. Because <laughs> mm. blockchains just keep going and going and going.
0: Uh, yeah. Question is, would you really want to be recreated in my luck, what they'd do is it' actually recreate me with my eighteen year old income at fifty years old. Oh, that's good <laughs> <laughs> Be like, oh, glitch, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: all right, so what haven't I asked you yet, Roman I don't i
2: I think I think you're. You're
0: dealing with a lot of people who want to get into the C-suite, right? And well, I'm sorry, because literally I'm with CIO
1: mastermind and we work with CIOs. Okay. Yeah. Geeks with geeks with executive tendencies like me. Um, you could say the same about you, that's for sure. Uh yeah. And so we do, but actually, I mean, we serve non C, you know, the, the title doesn't really matter that much. Uh, it depends. It has to be done in the C suite work has to, you know, you you have to be working in technology in the C suite. So I guess
2: to me, uh, I, I believe
0: you can't forget where you came from and you can't, and you have to help the people around you. And so I very much believe in like, The empowerment of the employees, the working with the employees, making sure that they succeed in their career because then that helps me succeed in my career, right? Because if you're a CIO sitting in an office doing some wonderful things on your whiteboard, but if your team is the people who come in and work eight hours a day and go home, right? Yeah. You are not going to be successful. You just won't be because you don't have the team behind you. We live in a 24-hour environment. We are the 7-Eleven of executives, right? Yeah. So, You can't tell me there's not a CIO out there that hasn't been called at 10 o'clock at night because there's an emergency. The difference between now and when we were down farther in the chain is the phone call doesn't happen very often, but it still happens from time to time. Right, right. And so having the team that is, we had an issue, actually not terribly long ago, we had an issue and we use Teams, right? We literally had the entire team clicked video phone call on Teams. And within a matter of a couple of minutes, the entire team was lit up at like 10 o'clock at night. Gotcha. Myself included. Wow. Because those are dedicated people who, if... I, I guess I live my life, I, I believe in I believe in three levels of priority. And I, I hold this true in a lot of projects that we do. Number one, if the customer can see it, it's an emergency, period. Right, okay. There is no two ways about it. If the customer can see it, it is top priority. I don't care what else I'm doing. Number two, does it affect revenue? If it affects revenue, but the customer can't see it, It's still a priority, but it's not blazing emergency time. Yeah, this is good. And then the third one is, this is, and this happens all the time, right? The, I want to do, I want something to do my job button. The, I want to have this. I need that. I want this fancy piece of software for this. I want to do this. That's always that third priority. If I have something affecting my customer or my revenue, you can bring me that.
1: Yeah. But how do you prioritize? And I want to correct something here real quick. We are on Dissecting IT Nerds um, uh, podcast. So most of the listeners are not necessarily CIOs. A lot of IT directors and things like that. I, I, just, I wanted to just, I thought you were yeah, asking no me about,
0: you know, my no, thing. No, I, so, I was yeah. just thinking in general when you're talking to yeah. the audience, right? Because. Yeah, If I was a guy who was a director right now, I'd be watching this because I'd want to learn about it. Yeah, right. That wasn't a paid plug, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, well, no, exactly.
1: But so as you were saying, keep going with what you, keep expanding on what you were just saying then. Okay, so
0: essentially, prioritization is everything in IT because you're dealing with you're dealing with a lot of things coming at you at the same time. And so what you have to do is you have to deal with prioritization and you have to deal with simplification. Somebody brings you a problem. My first question almost every time is going to be, does this affect the customer? Because if it does, oh, we need yeah. we need to move. Of course, of course. Is I, it affecting the revenue? And the another. revenue, another
1: high priority thing, obviously. But then, How do you prioritize the other
0: things, the I wants? Well, that's where the simplification comes in, right? So I want sometimes is affecting the customer and you're not thinking through it. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a customer service problem. And effectively, the customer service agent might be on the phone with the person for five minutes instead of two. I'm affecting the customer. And then the other thing is, how do I bring that return on investment to the business? does it make sense for me to spend $20,000 to build X when essentially it's only costing me $500 a month? Sometimes the answer is no. There's no return on investment for this. And and sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow because you you're doing it every day. So you believe that's something that has to happen. And sometimes you just have to say no. And But explaining it in a bigger picture so the person understands it. I'm I'm a big advocate for for, uh, steering committees. I love the fact that you can build a steering committee. Uh, I do this. I've done this a number of times where I'll bring all the stakeholders in. And then let's talk about the project. And this guy's going, well, this is critical. and Maybe he's in operations. Yeah. And the guy over in finance goes, and and I actually just had this happen recently. The guy was screaming how critical this project was and it was 300 hours and it was a lot of money. And the finance guy looked at him and said, but essentially I fixed that in a general ledger in two hours a month. And the other guys go, but, but, but. And we're like, so return on investment's a long time on that one. And then he realized that, what he was complaining about, although it seemed important to him, it wasn't for the rest of the business. And we had to agree, but being in the steering committee, you can do that. Everybody can agree that, yeah, we understand that. We're going to put that on the back burner. Maybe we're going to adjust a couple pieces around it, but we're not going to do the whole thing. Yeah, And, and it's, it's understanding and it's communication, right? If your customer, and, and I refer to customers as being internal people or external people, uh, but if my customer is operations and they don't understand why I'm doing something, then I've failed at my job. Okay. How do you think uh, industry is going to change
1: then in the future? If technology doesn't change in the next 10 years, how will industry, how
0: will jobs change in the next years? I think years? we have to adapt to it, right? Uh, hybrid work environment, obviously. I, I don't think, I think COVID took what was the work at home was starting to come into, it was beyond its infancy, but it was starting to come about. And I think what COVID COVID did was hyper-focus it the wrong direction. And and maybe wrong is uh, the wrong word, but hyper-focus it in the direction of everybody has to work from home now. Right? Mm. I, I Literally, there was a study out there that people bought less pants during COVID why? Because they didn't nobody saw them. Right. And so I think it hyper focused it in that direction. But let's face it, nowadays, yes, I have a very diverse uh, very diverse company. I have a very diverse team. I have remote workers and I have on-site workers. There are things you can't overcome in remote work, like this. The overhear somebody talk about something and walk over and all of a sudden you find out, wait a minute, there's a problem over here. So there's certain things that are hard to overcome. I think the workforce will be in more of a hybrid environment. Okay. So work a couple of days a week in the sure. office and then the rest at home. I think businesses have to adapt to people like Amazon who showed up and said, yeah, I know you want it. Guess what? You can have it in 45 minutes. Yeah. And so how do we handle that? Because traditional business model says you order it, I send it to the warehouse, the warehouse ships it. How do you handle that and handle that need for instant gratification? And then the other thing is, is I do think our thinking has changed. We've gotten away from, I buy a product because it is of use to me. I've now started to buy a product because I believe in it. And the belief in it. Mm. How many people advertise now? Well, we are net neutral, or we, you know, we're carbon neutral. It's. I I've seen that develop in marketing, and I'm not a marketing guy. Okay, Mm. Um, probably very far from one as far as creative goes. But have you noticed that 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 people have yeah stopped. They've stopped advertising, hey, this is our product, and this is the benefit, and this is why you want to buy this product. And they've gone to, this is our product, this is the benefit, and this is why you believe in us. We are-
1: that's important, isn't it? It's a brand.
0: That's brand. Right, right. But it's become emphasized more. So if you talk about how does business develop, how does uh, technology develop, how does the workplace develop. I would argue that right now, and I had this conversation with somebody just recently, I would argue right now that marketing people have become data people. They always were marketing, but now they're becoming more data people. They're so data focused. Right. Think about your number one customer is almost always going to be marketing now. And marketing came from, I want to report once in a while to, I live my life looking at this. And so we are the enablers that makes the business function. We're the oil in the engine. If you don't have us, you have a problem. And that brings with it such a responsibility because, you know, does it cost you $50,000 an hour if your website goes down? What does it cost you? if? Technology has a problem. Right. Right. Okay. And so we have to be cognizant of that, not only in the fact that we have to have backup systems and, you know, standard DR and all the other stuff, but essentially I'm trusting and I'm making up numbers. Right. But I'm trusting a sales guy with selling, I don't know, a million dollars a month. (laughs) I'm trusting Scott, who's my CIO. With my entire company revenue, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because if Scott doesn't exist and his team falls apart, the reality is the company doesn't exist anymore. So yeah. it's a it's a big responsibility mm. that we have. And sometimes people forget it. We think we're just tapping numbers on a keyboard. One tap on a keyboard, that's wrong. And you could essentially put a company out of business. Yeah,
1: yeah, True. True that. But hopefully you got systems in place though.
0: Backup and now all that. Right. But (laughs) don't forget, I guess don't forget the the importance that they've put in you. Yeah. Don't forget the responsibility you have. Don't don't you know how many of us have backup systems and we say, yeah, we test them? And and I have met so many people that say that and they don't. Or they test them, yeah, I, I didn't have time this month. I'm gonna do it next month. Yeah, Yeah. okay, well, what happens between now and next month? And Katrina hits you and takes out your entire factory because that happened to me. And and luckily, I had tested everything, but literally lost an entire factory in New Orleans on the night of Katrina. And luckily for me, had backup systems in place, literally were back up and running in four hours. Now, we weren't manufacturing, obviously, because there wasn't anyone there. Yes. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, we got a
1: few minutes left. Mm -hmm. What, uh, what do you want to talk about (laughs) to the, you know, the up and coming it executives, maybe you want to say something to a CEO out there. Nah, that doesn't really apply here.
0: So I, you know what I think, you know what I think is the key to this whole entire game that we're playing, right? Trying to succeed. Yeah. Uh, you, you probably, you've been around for a while. I've been doing this for a very long time. I, you and I had the advantage, and in, in, in I'm not trying to age you, uh, but you and I had the advantage of there weren't people around doing it when we did it. So we were sort of the guys that everyone looked at and said, you're weird. And, mm-hmm. right. and now it's, It's weird because it's become the cool thing to do now.
1: So you hear people
0: saying, I'm leaving my career and I'm going into IT. Mm. Okay, well, let me not be Debbie Downer for you, but let me let you in on a little insight, right? If everybody wants to do it, it's not as easy to do. So how do you excel above the people around you? Okay, I come from I come from a family of Polish immigrants, and my grandfather said, work harder than the guy next to you. And guess what? I'm a CIO. I work harder than the guy next to me. If if, and 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 I do that because I have a work ethic. I am not and, and in a lot of ways, I'm not in this for the money. I'm in this because I enjoy it. So I would say find computers are like being a doctor. Right. If you mm-hmm. refer to a doctor, what are you? Are you a neurosurgeon? Are you a brain surgeon? Are you a foot surgeon? Uh there's specialties within computers. So find what it is you like and what drives your passion. And and I have said this for many years, and it's in Anyone who's a geek will understand exactly what I'm saying. You know it's your passion when you won't get up and go to the bathroom because you have to finish what you're doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And you, you sit there and go, I got to do this. And, and find that passion because <laughs> if you're passionate about what you do, you don't ever work a day in your life. And I don't work. I come to work because I come because these guys happen to pay me for doing what I like.
1: Right. So let that be a lesson to all the listeners out there. We're going to wrap on that right there. Uh, But what an incredible, incredible uh, session here. Appreciate it, Roman. Yes, sir. All right.